do Auto Off Topic Podcasts. Hello, Brad. Good afternoon. Late afternoon. Andrew, how are you doing? Late evening for me. I mean, it's still afternoon. It is afternoon. We're approaching a.m. though. Well, still afternoon. It's always afternoon. It is always afternoon. If you want to come down to it. So, uh, any parts of car updates? Oh, right into it. No... No, no small talk. No, how you been? What's going on? How's the family? Nope. How was Thanksgiving? How? Oh, all right, all right. How was Thanksgiving? It was wonderful. Thank you for asking. Project Hire updates. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, nice and quiet. Good, excellent. Mine was not that. Um, anyway, um, Project Hire updates. Is that what you asked me about? Yeah. So I think when we last less when we last left off, we were discussing uh, my taillight woes correct we discussed that change that fix yeah you talked about changing it did you talk about fixing that little socket that piece in the socket i think we did no we didn't um i haven't fixed it yet so we'll save that for another time all right um basically a small bulb like a side marker bulb it's a bulb number 67 i don't know it's some weird 70s shit yeah, I don't know if we talked about it or not. But anyway, long story short, I'll get into it more when I have the proper fix done. Right now, I'm just running no side markers, riding dirty. Um, you know me. No one cares there. You, 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 know, you know me. You know, always skirting you the You drive without a hood in Arizona. Nobody cares about turn signals. Hood? I have a neighbor who hasn't had fenders since I moved in. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, there's a, there's a little plastic doohickey on the bottom of the marker light that keeps the... So the end of the wire, like the hot wire that comes comes off the bottom of the bulb, mm-hmm. there's a little piece of plastic that keeps it from grounding out on the metal housing itself. So I don't have much of an update on that because I need to do a little more research because I got some parts that weren't right. So hmm. I need to do some more digging. But anyway, next topic. Um, I have finally... So rewind back to like 2016, 2017, the driver's side rocker bolting fell off. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago. It was a long time ago. Um, the clips are really weird. I remember is, it was like, oh, don't sit on that getting in the car almost every time. Yeah, well, I didn't want to lose it, so I left it in the car. Um, anyway, the clips are really strange. They're a proprietary clip for this particular molding. Um, obviously you can't go down to your local Dodge dealer and buy them. There was at one point a 77 Colt in a junkyard out here, mm-hmm. which I regret not getting more parts off of before it disappeared to the abyss of the crusher. Um, yeah. but one thing I did take off the car were all the clips for the side molding. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously I just haven't ever done it because the car was in Massachusetts, never got around to it. Uh, car is here now. Uh, molding was in the car. Don't sit on it, please. Um, mm-hmm. So I took the molding out of the car. I removed the offending broken clips. Um, and I fit in the ones from the 77, my car being a 78. I assumed they were the same, and thankfully they were. So there are six of these clips. Uh, to describe them, it's like a one-inch by a half-inch rectangle that slides into the molding itself. <laughs> Um, about three quarters of the way down, there's like a three eighths inch deep 
post, I guess you'd call it, that keeps it pushed on the outside, the inside of the molding from the outside of the molding. And then it's got like a one-way Christmas tree kind of clip that goes into the car. Uh, I yeah. did take plenty of pictures. Now that we've talked about it, I'll post it on our Instagram page. Um, there's six of those that go into the corresponding six holes in the side of the car. And the car has always kind of looked unfinished without it. I mean, I guess if the other side didn't have it, maybe nobody would notice, but it bothers me. It's also the same side that has that dent in the door that drives me crazy. So with a dent in the door and the missing side rocker molding, it kind of, it just bugged me out a lot. So uh, I did manage to get the six of them in. Um, they all slid in nice. Everything fit like it's supposed to fit. Uh, then I was going to put it back in the car and I looked at it and I was like, you know, I can't have taken this off the car without restoring the molding itself. Mm. So it's kind of like a chrome finish. I don't know that it's chrome or it's just polished it's aluminum. Stainless. It could be stainless. Yeah. Uh, there's no dents or bends or anything in it. So um, I took a really old bottle of Meguiar's Scratch X that I had. Yeah. And I used the foam wheel on a uh, Dremel. Okay. And I was able to actually polish the thing back to pretty much brand new. So the thing's got like a mirror finish to it now. It was just, it was kind of stained just from 40 years of, I don't know, road debris and washing the car and chemicals and whatever else is on there. So it was kind of stained and kind of ugly. So I had to uh, polish the whole thing with that, with the, with the Dremel and the foam pad. And it, it came up really nice. And then I hand polished it afterwards. And, I mean, there's one tiny little ding where it looks like a rock might have come up from the road and hit it. Um, the bottom side of the molding is never coming back. <laughs> I, I'd probably need to, to sand it with some pretty aggressive sandpaper, and I'm not quite that dedicated to it. It's the bottom of the molding, and you can't see it anyway. But the part you can see from next to the car and above the car now looks like shiny, brand-new stainless steel trim. It looks really nice, so... Um, on top of putting the clips in the holes, I put a little, you know, maybe quarter by quarter dab of double side tape on the back of each clip. Um, just as a little extra precautions doesn't fall off again. I was lucky enough that when it fell off, it was while I was pulling out of my driveway. So I never actually lost the thing in the first place. So, um, now it definitely won't fall off again. So it, uh, it looks brand new and, uh, it's not going anywhere and it makes me happy. So. Little things like that that, you know, make your project car kind of your own, you know. I, and then I use the same method to clean the bumpers up a little more than they were. Make the chrome shine up real nice in the bumpers. So it's uh, those, those little little projects that kind of make the car that much better, you know. So the only other thing I did to it was in Massachusetts, we're required to run a front plate. In Arizona, we're not. Mm -hmm. Um so I took the mask front plate off and I didn't know what to do with it, but it looked ugly with no front plate because there's a, an obvious place where a plate belongs. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out what the best piece to put there would be to kind of finish it off without making it look bad or making it look obvious. And then I remember the car came with California blue plates, the original plates that the car had in 78. Uh, and I figured so it's not a problem to run it. That front plate. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's completely, Ill, completely legal, but I also don't think it's completely illegal. Right. So, and actually, I did notice when I was at, um, the cars and coffee at four till four last week, 
that there were a couple other cars there that had Arizona tags and California front plates, like the vintage black or blue plates mm. on the front. So I was at least in good company with those kind of people. So is it is it okay? I, again, I don't know the actual legality of it, but you know, maybe. I'm not. I'm not going to worry about it because it looks real good. Yeah, it it's, looks pretty cool. It, it's the period correct plate for the period correct car, and it just kind of it fills that that spot in the bumper that just it it needs something. So I was thinking of like making like a custom auto off topic plate for it that looked very 70s, but I think this will work. And unless somebody gives me or harasses me about it, then we'll we'll go from there. So the car currently has Arizona tags in the rear. California plate in the front, and I haven't scraped off my mass inspection sticker on the windshield yet either. Oh, come on. It just takes a razor blade. But I don't know. It's just kind of a... I don't know. It makes me feel like home. I guess. I mean, the sun's going to kill it probably anyways. The car doesn't see the sun very often. It's under a cover or in a garage all the time, so... Anyway. Just my little... My homage to where I'm from, I guess. Maybe I'll take it off eventually, but in the meantime, it's still sitting there on the windshield. So, and then I, after all these, you know, tremendous modifications that I made, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, we did use it to go pick up our Christmas tree. Well, which is, you know, the advantage of moving to Arizona. It's December and I can go pick up a Christmas tree and I can do it in a vintage car because no road salt. So we brought a uh, big moving blanket, put it over the roof. So it's not to scratch the paint any worse than it already is. Mm-hmm. And get sap all over the place, and uh, just tied it down with some twine, and uh, it felt like it was 1978 all over again. Because I'm sure in 1978 somebody brought home their Christmas tree and grew for their cold, right? Yeah, had to. Have. It must have happened. So, I put ours inside of the Montero. There you go. Last year I had it inside the Volkswagen, so I didn't want to make the poor high school kid try to throw it in the roof. Cause it's yeah. <laughs> No, I, uh, I, uh, it was, it was fun using a, a vintage car for practical purposes like that. And some people might scoff at me for, you know, putting sap and scratchy pine needles on the paint, but whatever. It's, I, I didn't do anything blatantly bad to it. Cars are meant to be driven, meant to be used. You know, let's enjoy them for what they are. That's why I, that's why I own it. Drive it and enjoy it. So, of course, I took some pictures. So we'll have to see those on the, Auto off topic page as well eventually, but can't can't do anything if I didn't take pictures that I really even do it. So I think that's it for project car updates for me. Um, mm-hmm. a little bit of a down date on the Starion. Yeah. Um so I went to move it. Okay. Um, it's parked next to the house. We have like a, we have an RV gate that goes into the backyard and there's enough space next to the house that you can have two cars in between like the property line wall and the house and you can't really see them from anywhere. So they're not really like visually ugly. They're kind of hidden from everything, but I needed to get something else in the backyard. What was I doing? I don't remember what I was doing, but I needed to move a couple of cars. So I've gotten the Starion to move it. Now, bear in mind, I think when the delivery driver who brought it out to Arizona brought it off his truck, he put the window down and there's no interior in the car. It's all like in the back in a pile. 
Yeah. Um, so I think when he put the window down, he short circuited the, the, the window switch on the sheet metal because the positive and negative contact can touch the sheet metal there. So the window won't go back up. I need to rebuild that switch or find out where it shorted out. Okay. The window's been down. Yeah. Not a big deal. It's Arizona. It never rains anyway. And there's a cover over the car 90% of the time. Well, there wasn't a cover over the car this time. So bear in mind that I not only walked over to the car, I opened the door. Snakes in it. I got into the car. I sat down in the car. I closed the door and nothing happened. Okay. I put the key in the ignition and I went to start the car and I was attacked from behind. Okay. Uh, It scared the crap out of me. Um, I was in bare feet because I was just in my backyard and there's no rubber on the clutch pedal. Yeah. So when this thing attacked me, it scared the crap out of me. My foot slipped off the clutch. Okay. Cars in gear in reverse. Yeah. It did a burnout in the backyard. The door wasn't latched. The door flung open and stuffed itself into the retaining wall, the cement retaining wall. And then the car stalled. Thankfully, it's not the new door we put in the car. It's the driver's side. So it already had some damage on it. Um, I was able to make it look like there's no damage on it at all. However, the mark on the wall, that ain't coming out. Okay. The the burnt rubber on the driveway, that ain't coming up for a while. What Uh, happened? Apparently, it was a a neighborhood cat decided it wanted to live in my car. (laughs) Now, the only way it even could have gotten into our yard is the neighbor's house has like this shed next to the wall so they must have something next to their shed and it jumped up on top of the shed and landed in the roof of my car and went in the open window was hanging out in the back well all i i'm assuming it's a cat because we don't really have raccoons here and the only thing i saw was like this big fluffy gray furry mass that literally ripped through my shoulder running over my my shoulder to go out the open window and back out the wall again I can't think of any other animal it could have been. It must have been a cat. And it was it was a fat cat. And it was... It had to have been a cat because a, a, a raccoon would have kind of stood its ground or a possum would have stood its ground. And we don't have those here either. The only the only big gray things we have here that aren't cats are coyotes. I don't think it was a coyote because I, would, no. I wouldn't be telling this story. <laughs> but, man, I have never been so scared in my life. Naomi was in the house. She came out <laughs> because she heard the commotion. And she's like, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. Something attacked me from behind, and I don't know what it was. Well, meanwhile, scared the cat. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there, and the tires smoke coming up, and there's scrape paint in the wall, and my foot is it sliced up my foot on the bottom of the clutch pedal when I tried to figure out what was going on. It was a whole nightmare. I don't understand how it went down or why it went down or why that damn cat sat there in silence until I started the car. Yeah. Why didn't he jump out when I opened the door? Why didn't he jump up when I sat down? He waited until I started the car in gear to scare me enough to actually do damage to the property, the car, and my foot. <laughs> I, was, I was quite upset. Uh, to, to answer your earlier question of it was a snake, no, thankfully, God, thank God it was not a snake. The, the dogs weren't like sniffed around the car? No. Lazy old man dogs, they don't do anything. One dog is 13, one dog is 14. They don't care anymore. You want to hang out in my backyard? Just 
leave them alone. They're fine with it. But yeah, t- talk about like, I, listen, I moved all the way out here to Arizona and everybody said I was going to get eaten by, by snakes and tarantulas and scorpions. And it, lo and behold, it was a house cat that did me in. So anyway, that's the, that's the down date of the stereo. There's really no down date, I guess. It just was an annoying. The down date was my foot more than the car because the damage to the door is negligible. The scratch in the wall will always be a story. And until we get enough rain to wash out the burnt rubber marks in the driveway, it's a it's a concrete driveway. It's not like black cement. Yeah. So it's nice, pristine white driveway with two distinct black marks. Good news is the limited slip differential works quite well. Good. So it's got that going for it. But yeah, anyway, lost a couple of years off my life. And uh, the cat got away to live another day. So I haven't seen the cat. I mean, our, our yard is completely enclosed by, I don't know, it's taller than me wall. It's probably a seven foot tall, like, cinder block wall. I mean, my yard cat jumped a six foot fence. So there's a, a coyote came trotting up the yard and she jumped right on the top of the fence. Again, thankfully it wasn't a coyote. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have like raccoons, possums, and squirrels or anything else gray around here, so pretty sure it was a cat. But anyway, that's my next project car. I guess you can call it a project car update. But I mean, hey, it's my fault for not having. I haven't touched the car since I got here because I've been so busy doing cult stuff. Um, so I haven't even looked at fixing the window switch, or I haven't even washed the road grime off of it from being shipped across country. It's just under a cover in the side yard. <laughs> so one at a time, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, that's my exciting story for the week. Cool. Any project car updates on your end? No, I haven't done anything. I was just cleaning out the, I finished with the kitchen, kitchen update. Finished. Excellent. Oh, I, I have more too. Dang. Cleaning out the, my garage so I can put cars back in there. Right. That's about it. Um, so my Volkswagen. Oh, yeah. Volkswagen update, down date. So the Volkswagen's been acting weird. Um, ever since I bought the car, I've noticed that every now and then, when you're just at a steady speed, like, say, 30 miles an hour in fourth gear, just kind of like going along slow on the normal round town roads, the car will buck a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it never was enough to bother me to look into it to figure out what was going on. Turns out that that's when it goes into regen. Mm. So when it goes into regen, it raises the idle. So if you're running a steady speed, you'll notice that the idle raises and the car starts to buck to try to maintain that same speed you were doing. So apparently it goes into regen at that point. Um, Anyway, this bucking had been getting worse and it was concerning me. Uh, And then a check engine light came on. And the check engine light was a PO401, which is an EGR code. Hmm. So my brain said, all right, I hear the EGR and these gets clogged. Let's find out if it's dirty. Uh, also, it's time to do a um, a fuel filter, the diesel fuel filter. So I'll change that too. So I did the diesel fuel filter. Um, and then I started the car and the check engine light went off. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Well, 
I had an appointment to get the oil change, which I always do my oil changes in that car at the dealer. So as to keep my, you know, warranty claims legitimate. Because um, the car's covered in a warranty for quite some time. So I had an appointment to get an oil change to the dealer. I said, you know what? While it's in there, I'll have them run, you know, their their VAG computer on the car and they'll be able to pull the old code and they'll figure out what it is. And if it's something they can fix into warranty, they'll take care of it, right? Mm-hmm. According to the dealer, there was no history of any code. So there's nothing they can do. I was like, all right, fine, whatever. Uh, long story short, we were driving the car to Oklahoma um, that following Sunday. This is on a Wednesday night. I think the oil changed. So Wednesday goes by, Thursday goes by, everything's fine. Friday, I went out to grab some stuff for like, you know, the road trip coming up that weekend. Uh, and the check engine like came back on again now, two days before the road trip. Hmm. So now I'm like, oh, of course. So I call the dealer and I'm like, hey, the check engine light came back on. It's a PO401 code again. Um, I'm taking this car on like a 1500 mile round trip road trip this weekend. What is the deal with that? Should I be concerned? Is it going to be an issue? What's, you know, should I not take the car? Um, And he goes, well, I don't know exactly what it is. I was like, okay. He's like, let me find out. So I wait and hold for a few minutes. I'm still pretty much planning on taking the car because it's not a flashing check engine light. It's just a solid on check engine light, which usually is like, hey, check something, but you're okay for now. Um, He comes back. He goes, listen, I'm not allowed to say what it is over the phone. I'm not allowed to say you'll be fine. Okay. I'm not allowed to say any of these things. He's like, so I don't think you'll have an issue. I was like, okay. He goes, but I can't tell you just to go ahead and take the car on a road trip. I was like, that's fine. I get it. Like, litigious United States we live in. You don't want a lawsuit in your hands. This thing blows up in the middle of Texas. And you say, oh, the dealership told me I could drive it, right? So he's like, yeah. So I just, I can't tell you you can do it. But you should be okay. So my brain is like, all right, fine. I'll I'll, I'll look into it. And he goes, I, I, I don't want to tell you what it could be because there's other things it could possibly be. So I went back on the internet and I started looking it up more myself. Um, and apparently what causes that the EGR to get dirty is the DPF system. Mm. So it doesn't have uh, the DEF fluid like the newer ones have, but it has a nope. DPF, which is a diesel particulate filter, which is in the exhaust, in line in the exhaust. It's actually mm. where the regen process happens. So basically this diesel particulate filter, um, it superheats itself when it's in regen process and it burns off all the extra soot. So what happens is when something goes malfunctions with the DPF, the extra soot doesn't get burned off properly and it winds up in the EGR and it throws an EGR code. On top of that, um, if you want to self-diagnose it, all you do is go to the back of the car and look inside the tailpipe. If there's a buildup of heavy, sticky black soot, it means your DPF is probably cracked. Hmm. So I went to the back of the car and sure enough, there's, you know, it you know, a, a millimeter thick of black soot inside the tailpipe. And then I got to thinking about it. I remember when I drove the car across country with the trailer on the back, the left side of the trailer had a black streak down the side of it. The black and yellow mm-hmm. totes that I had had a black streak on the totes. So that mm-hmm. must have been from that exhaust already in its malfunction, but not enough to have clogged up the EGR yet at that point. So self-diagnosis tells me, hey, this thing has a cracked diesel particulate filter or DPF. 
So the housing itself is actually, it almost looks like a piece of a downpipe on a turbo car. So it's a couple hundred dollars for a new one, but the car is still covered under warranty. So I have an appointment later this week to drop the car off and uh, have them check that out and and hopefully fix that for me. So, mm. yeah, unexciting project car update because I'm not doing it myself, but exciting project car update because I'm not paying anything for it either. Yeah, that's right. That's part of the reason we bought that car in the first place. Yep. <laughs> somebody else's problem. So uh, somebody else will have to put a diesel particulate filter in it, um, and I'll get it back, and hopefully no codes, and it'll be good as new. Um, we did the trip to Oklahoma and back in the car. Uh, the fuel mileage was affected a little bit. You know, I, I got in the low to mid-30s instead of the mid to high-30s for a highway fuel mileage with a loaded down car. You know, so it's not... It definitely took a couple miles per gallon off the average. So definitely, yep. definitely affected it, but hopefully it'll be uh, better than new before the weekend is here. So we shall see. So speaking of dirty diesels. Yes. There was a report that came out from the EPA that modified diesel trucks pollute more than any of the Dieselgate Volkswagens combined. Even my broken one? Yeah. Yes. Because there's, a, there's, they estimate there's up to nine million modded diesel trucks in the road. That's a lot, and it's not. Well, uh, the three top selling vehicles in the United States are like the F one hundred and fifty, the Silverado, and the Ram. So that's a lot. Not that there's a lot of F one hundred and fifty diesels, but there are, there are now. I mean, don't they have fifteen hundred diesels in all the manufacturers now? I don't know, actually. I don't pay too much attention to that. I know Chevy and Dodge both offer a 1500 yeah. diesel now, and Nissan does too. So I, yeah, assume, so I assume Ford must just to compete with those. So what they're saying is that it's not the new, new trucks. It's the trucks in the like three to five year old range. The ones that when people dumb kids can buy. Them. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, a truck with 100,000 miles on it, a diesel truck, still has another three to 400,000 miles it can drive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of pollution to put out. Yeah, it's not uh, good. So, you know, they say there's no real way to know exactly how many trucks there are, but they estimate that the trucks release 570,000 tons of nitrogen dioxide into the air over the lifetime of those models. And they said that is 10 times the nitrogen dioxide released by the cheating diesel Volkswagens in the United States. Ten times. That means the Volkswagens, all told, put out 57,000 tons. Yeah. Which is not a small and, number. Yeah, nitrogen dioxide is the real bad. Like, way worse than carbon dioxide. Because at least, yes, carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas, but uh, if we planted enough trees, maybe it could, you know, you can scrub it. If, if, we, if we stop Brazil from cutting down the rainforest, we could scrub it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a staggering number, and I guess we're probably a little less. Um, we notice it probably a little less because of where we live. You know, we live in the cities. We don't live in Texas. We don't live in Southern New Hampshire, where it's more common. We probably it see it a little bit less. I don't really understand it because it's not making your truck really run any better. 
Well, all you need to do is watch somebody who's like an expert in diesel tuning, like Gail Banks, who says they, yeah. they they get mad when they see these cars belching black smoke because that means they're not running to their they're not <laughs> running to their full potential. Like you're burning fuel for the sake of burning fuel. It's not well, you're not even burning it. It's just coming out the exhaust. Yeah, that's what I mean. You're not you're not, you're not using the the full amount of the energy that you have the capability of so it's funny because i you know owning a diesel volkswagen i belong to some of these diesel volkswagen groups to have hints and tricks and tips and things um and the diesel volkswagen is a much more accessible vehicle to a younger market you know because yeah. a diesel pickup truck is an expensive proposition you're talking oh, uh, yeah. you're generally talking about uh it's, it's it's almost a piece of heavy equipment like they're designed to be work trucks so they cost what work trucks cost you know, we talk about it all the time an O an O five Silverado with two hundred thousand miles on it is an eighteen thousand dollar truck. Yeah. So you don't have a lot of sixteen to twenty five year old, you know, high school and college kids owning diesel pickup trucks unless they're, you know, they work a lot or have rich parents. So what you do see is a lot of teenage and young adult diesel Volkswagen owners, and I think that. How do I make my Volkswagen roll coal is asked about as much as can I fit 33s without a lift on a truck farm? I knew you were going there, but yeah. Yeah, it's 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 asked about that many times, and I see it, you know, at least once or twice a day. Somebody will ask, how do I make my Volkswagen roll coal? And then half the responders are, don't you friggin' moron, you're an idiot. That's that nothing good could come of that. To join us over here on this other Volkswagen page. The TDI Scumbags page, which is legit, <laughs> legit, legitimately what it's called, TDI Scumbags, which I don't belong to that one. And we'll show you how to do it and how to get the most black smoke for, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But um, so it's not uncommon for anybody to think that it's cool. That's, I guess, uneducated, less educated and less older, <laughs> younger, I guess the word I was going for. Not less older, but. Yeah, it's it seems to be a, a common thing with the youths, the the young people, and I'm not sure if is is it a YouTube thing? Is it a what made it like popular? I don't know, but I I just remember growing up. If I saw a car belching black smoke, I would think the car was broken. You gotta own the Priuses. I don't know. That's you know, I belch black smoke to own the libs. Yeah, I guess is that how, is that how it works. Yeah. But th- th- that number, the 570,000 tons of nitrogen dioxide into the air over the lifetime of that vehicle is a staggering number. Um, I-, I can't imagine why knowing something like that, like nitrogen dioxide is is real bad stuff. You know, that, that affects brain operation. <laughs> like, yeah. that can, a- a- enough intake of nitrogen dioxide will literally slow down your brain and it will do actual brain damage. That's a lot of pollution. Yeah, that's a lot or, of pollution. You know, for one thing for having a, a hobby that is not entirely eco-friendly, you know, that <laughs> that's like being completely reckless. Yeah, that's 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 not even a hobbyist at that point though. That's just somebody trying to be an asshole. Yeah. You know, and it's the same the same kind of person that has that in their truck is the same kind of person that has air horns because they want to scare people. Like there's no reason to have a train horn in your truck. Like it doesn't, there's, there's, there's no reason for it. It's, you're looking to cause trouble. You're looking to be that, that irritant. You're looking to be, uh, you know, you're looking to be a jerk if you're going to do that kind of stuff. And there's, there's no, 
there's no added benefit to it other than being a jerk. So why do it? You know, what how's the saying go? It costs zero dollars to not be an asshole. It costs zero dollars and zero cents to not be that way. Right. And it costs money to tune your truck to belch black smoke and waste fuel yeah. and add air horns. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm on the wrong side of things as far as the cool factor of it goes. I guess it's a cool thing to do. You know, we've seen it at Cars and Coffee. We've seen it in the highway. You know, I've been the unfortunate recipient of a coal rolling truck at a stoplight in my small cars. It's, it doesn't make any sense. Just don't be an asshole. That's all there is to it. Enjoy your life. Do whatever you want, but don't let it affect other people. And this obviously affects other people. Even not the environment. Like, just the the fact that nitrogen dioxide is bad news for health. Like, (laughs) are you the same kind of person that smokes a cigarette and blows your secondhand smoke in somebody's face because they don't smoke? You know, that's that's kind of the mentality, right? Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. I don't don't understand it. Anyway. Yeah, I don't like it. It's some uh, Get rid of them all. interesting thing out of Mitsubishi. They posted about a 2014 Mirage that a couple drove for over 414,000 miles. Why do you suppose they use that benchmark? Uh, because the car got traded into the dealer. I okay. think I, I, the guy would have kept going with it. Yeah, that's what I'm it's saying. Just, it's like, why not wait till 500,000? Yeah, it's not going to take long to get there. It's a 14 or 414 on it. Why not get a a number that makes more sense? I was curious where 414 came from. I don't know. The owner came down, heard how many miles it had on it, and he offered him a deal because he wanted to buy it to put it on the lot as a display piece for. I mean, that's what, 65,000 miles a year? Yeah. That's that's a lot of driving. (laughs) Yeah, I guess the guy was a courier. I would hope so. Do we know if the car was an automatic or a manual? I don't know. I think it said um, automatic. Huh. That's even more impressive. Starter to do. Yeah. No, that's even more impressive. It went that long with a modern automatic transmission, which don't seem to be that reliable. Hey, listen. This is like 70 horsepower on it, right? Yeah, that's true. It's not really under much stress. Um, After this came out, I was reading the article in a few different places and looking at some comments that people made in the articles, which is never a good idea. Um, but in this case, it was. Um, it turns out that a lot of fleets bought them, like a lot of carrier fleets, because yeah. you could buy them brand new. And if you bought them in bulk, you could get an even better discount on them. So, oh, yeah. you know, some people paid like eleven or twelve grand a piece for them for a brand new car with a warranty, and yeah. they use them for for a carrier fleet. And there are many reports of them with well over three hundred thousand miles out there. I didn't realize that they are currently the they have the best fuel mileage of any non hybrid vehicle in the United States. I've always kind of wanted one. <laughs> I just didn't want one enough to buy one. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, not, I, this guy must have a back made of iron because I don't know how he. Like, so the seats are not great. There's, there's, I mean, they're not. They're a penalty box car, but there's a whole group of owners in um, the Thailand or the Philippines or somewhere in that area of the world. Um, where the owners group of them is highly into them and they make all kinds of cool stuff for them. And they have like spec rally series just for mirages. Yeah. Um, so I always kind of had this like outside urge to just buy one and ship a bunch of parts in from over there. Like they have light pods and bolt in cages and, you know, these little rally looking wheels and 
all this cool stuff they make for these cars. And it's kind of always been on my, the back of my brain that I, I, I kind of want one for, for the, you know, driving around town, doing dumb stuff, but they're not very fast. So who knows, but neither is anything I own. So, but they're neat. And it's cool to know that the, literally the cheapest car you could buy in 2014, the cheapest car you could buy in 2014, you couldn't buy a cheaper car went 414,000 miles. Yeah. You know, imagine 1985, you go, you buy a Hyundai um, Excel, the cheapest car on the market in 85. Think the car made it 414,000 miles? No. They didn't have a 10 year, 100,000 mile warranty on it. No. So, you know, everybody likes to poo poo on these Mirages, but they weren't built to be anything more than a functioning car. Yeah, and they function for 414,000 miles. Yeah. I, that's, that's a lot of function. I, You know, that's the thing. People love to dunk on Mitsubishi. It's like a cool thing to do, but, like, they don't build bad cars. Maybe they build uninspired-looking cars. Like, they're not yeah. designed really cool, but they don't build a bad car. No, and everybody in our families, whether it's our fault or not, pretty much drives Mitsubishi's. Um, you know, your dad does, my mom does, my sister's had a couple. Uh, she's on a third, fourth, her fourth Mitsubishi. Yeah. You know, my aunt's got one, my cousin's got one. Um, and have you heard any of them complain about any problems ever? No. And we're talking 2010 through current mall years. And, you know, I think my sister, she bought her 2000, what was the first year to Lancer? Oh, wait. So she bought her Lancer in 08 because it was, again, even at that time, one of the cheapest cars you could buy off the lot with a good warranty. You know, she had crank windows and a manual transmission and no AC, but she bought the car for like 13, five. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she drove that car until 190,000 miles. Something like that. And I think the only thing she did was a clutch. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously maintenance stuff like brakes and oil changes, but nothing ever else went wrong on that car. It just went and went and went. And I still see it when I'm back home. It's in, it's in Gloucester. Um, it's very obviously her car because it has the marks for a car head and it has the lip spoiler on the trunk lid and no ground effects, which none of them have that except for her car. Yep. So it's, it's neat to see that the, the, those cars are still going strong, you know, and I have a collection of eight seventies, eighties and nineties ones. And, generally they still all, all run great as long as they're maintained. Right. And so do yours. Yeah. You know, I drove an 83 Sapporo from here to, from Boston to here. We drove your Gallant from Boston to Atlanta and back. I drove the Eclipse from Alabama to Boston and Boston to here. Like there's no, they make a good car. <laughs> there's no, there's no two ways about it. They've, they've yeah. gotten a bad rap over the years, but you are know, they we, port marketing sometimes. Are they they always yeah. all times? Then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but the but the engineering, spot on, solid. And that's the thing is people people will sit there and talk about how good Hyundai and Kia are and where they came from to where they are, you know. And they owe everything they have to Mitsubishi. Yeah, you know, all their early cars were all Mitsubishi powered. All their stuff through the 90s is all Mitsubishi engineering. And even their stuff today is shared technology with Mitsubishi. Yeah, you know, all of Chrysler's small cars. Every, every, 
time. All Chrysler small cars that weren't K cars. Yeah. Were, you know, mostly Mitsubishi stuff. Right Which up, ones are still around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right up through the, the Stratus and the Sirius. And, you know, again, not inspiring cars, but cars that just worked. So, I don't know. I, uh, I, it's encouraging to see this. You know, it's not going to change the world's opinion on Mitsubishi, unfortunately. Um, but I will still forever until the last time, until the last one on the United States soil is sold, I will always recommend them to people buying a car because 10 year, hundred thousand mile warranty and the car will just go, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to have the resale of a Toyota or a Honda, but Toyota or Honda give you your, you know, was it 560 warranties on most of them Something like that? So you get a better warranty and basically the same car and it just keeps, you don't plan on selling it and trading it in then. Just buy your Mitsubishi or your Hyundai, and essentially you're buying a Mitsubishi either way. <laughs> yep. So, good cars. I mean, again, we're talking about Hyundai's. You know, Naomi's car has got 225,000 miles on it now. Still going strong. Hmm. So, it's not 414, but it's getting up there. Any other car news? Any car stuff? Car news. Uh, did you see that 280Z sold for over $100,000? Is that the one with 300 and something miles on it? Hey, like no miles on it. That uh, Larry yeah. Casilla from Ammo NYC did the cleaning videos on it and everything. And he sold for 100, that's, 130 grand. That's like a bizarre niche there, too, of the ultra low mileage barn find, never been washed or been washed in 30 years or something. How do those? How is there enough cars to keep making these videos? I don't know, but again, it, it goes back to what I said last podcast, where you need to put yourself out there. And once you're out there as the guy who wants this thing, these things come to you. You know, I people call me for Dodge, when Dodge Colts are for sale. People call Larry Casillo when low mile barn finds are found that need to be cleaned. I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos in general, but watching his stuff on cleaning, yeah. It's cathartic. He's a, very, he's a very good detailer. Yeah. Like very, very good. And and he's realistic about it too. I like where he's like, listen, you don't have to use like, you know, the clean bucket once a rag method. Yeah. If you don't want to, just do it whichever way. I'm going to show you the way I do it, but. <laughs> yeah, do what, do what you're comfortable with. Yeah. And I also like that he's, I again, I know he sells his own cleaning products, mm-hmm. but I also like that he's not. Um, fully sold on all these nanotech extra good coating last for 15 years never maintain it like he's not sold on that stuff which I never have been either and to hear him say it kind of validates my opinion on a lot of it like there's, hey. there's definitely some good stuff out there but you know no matter what you do you still need to wash and wax your car yeah so I definitely like his videos and, you know, his, his success has been fun to watch because he's, it seems like a genuine guy too, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, don't watch my videos of washing cars. Cause I use a dirty bucket that I keep in the backyard and all the dirt. So <laughs> what do I know? I mean, I only last couple of years got the, oops, got the little thing that you put in the bottom of the buckets. So the sponge doesn't hit the bottom. Oh, I don't even have that. <laughs> I'm just, just, dirt bag style car wash back here yeah and then um run it through, run it through the machine wash and polish the scratches off later 
Oh, I, I, they just do touchless. <laughs> Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of touchless watches out here. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, and well, I won't bring. I I I don't bring the old stuff through the car wash, no. uh, but I, I will bring the Volkswagen through the car wash because I just don't have time sometimes to maintain that car being clean. Um, and there aren't a lot of touchless washes out here. Most of them are brushed washes. So, yeah, it is what it is. I. I I've kind of resigned myself to having to make that sacrifice to keep the car at least respectably clean. Mm-hmm. It is the desert out here, you know. There's less sand and dust. Yeah, I was just so. thinking. I need to. I need to get under the Montero and uh, reapply some fluid film before the winter. Even though I don't drive it, it, it sits outside in the, yep. the moisture. Anyway, what were you going to? You just want to bring something else up? Oh yeah, I just when I'm watching uh, the baby during the day. I've been watching uh, Wheeler Dealers Kitchen Up because mm-hmm. I haven't watched it in a while. And the new Mechanic Ant. Yes. Which I think it's like two or three seasons old now. Maybe even more than that. And I uh, I kind of like it better than it. I like it better than in China. No question. Actually. Like, I don't think it's a hot take. I, I think that's a, a very valid opinion. And not that there's anything wrong with Ed China. Ed China was a great host of the show. Uh, I almost feel like they changed the dynamic of the show too where – for some reason, it was part of the stick that Ed would complain about the car. Yeah, uh, and, and and Ant is into the cars. Yeah, you can see that you can know. see the genuine excitement when he talks about the cars, and I think that makes me more more into it than I did bef- than than I was before, and I was into and it I, before. So yeah, and I just really like watching people do quality repairs. Yep. Have Have you I seen the one them. with the Mercury Capri? I haven't watched that one yet. I watched. Like the Alpha, the Alpha, the Lancia Fulvia. Oh, I haven't seen recently. that one yet. Uh, Mark One Rabbit GTI. That was a cool one. I haven't seen that one yet. Pulled apart the, um, it's a couple years old, but you know, I pulled apart the injection pump. Okay. Put all the, uh, put all the lines into like beakers and yep. triggered the pump to see if it was flowing the correctly. Okay. Like two of the beakers were like full. And two were like really low, so the injection pump had to be rebuilt. Interesting. And then I like because even Mike knows enough about cars, even though he doesn't work on cars too often on the show. But when he does, he seemingly knows a lot about doing it. And or yep. they'll bring it to an expert's place, and they'll actually show them fixing it. Yeah, which I liked. I recently watched on your I recommendation really the the Volvo 850 one. Yeah. And they brought it to the body shop to show the plastic welding, how they cut the channel into the plastic, and then you know, melt the new material in and, and a couple other things yeah. on that one. And then at the end of that show, you know, um, Brewer actually changed up the taillights himself, which again is not something that a mechanic would be like, I changed these taillights myself. But I mean, hey, I made a big deal out of it when I put a new taillight in the Colt last week, so I get it. Yeah. Like it's not it's not something that everybody knows how to do either. And to see him be able to get in there and just do it without issue is encouraging like car guy. Where he was explaining about it too, he's like, no, Normally I could, maybe I could polish these out, but they're just too far gone. Yep. Like I was like, all right, yeah, I, I don't know. I just like that. It's a realistic, it's a realistic repair show. That was the way I tried to do one A videos when I was working there. I tried to explain to people too, how something worked as I was doing it and that, you know, like, Hey, we're, we're doing it this way. Sometimes these get stuck. Uh, We're going to try to remove it. And then inevitably it would come out either perfect or it wouldn't come out. But a lot of times I'd say, oh, maybe this would get stuck and it would come out perfect. And be like, well, I got lucky on this one. Right. Yours may get stuck. 
So You'll just have to work. At it. I actually watched one of your old videos the other day after I yeah. did it, after I talked to you and you told me you did a video on that. Um, and I wished I watched it ahead of time. Yeah. Cause it would have saved me time looking for the hidden bolts behind the door pole. Yes. So I mean, Silverado. No, yeah. I did. A, a Naomi's sister, her door handle broke. Um, her door was frozen shut and she ripped the door handle off opening it on her 2011 Tahoe. Very common. Yep. So the, the only, the only difficulty I came across was finding the two hidden bolts that are behind like where the interior door pole is. Because it doesn't yeah. look, it doesn't look like a cover over a bolt. It looks like just a piece of the of the uh, the door panel. That's the, the only difficulty I had in the whole process. Everything else went through. I did the whole job in like twenty minutes, minus that. I always thing. had trouble getting in and getting the clips onto the push rods. Getting them on and off is always tricky. Why well, did I have to take them off? Oh, okay. because they were that was taken care of by when they ripped the door handle off in the first place. Oh, all right. So I just right. had to put it back on again, and there was enough room to when you had the door unlocked, so the pin was up. There was enough yeah. room to get it outside the door to do it all, and kind of it had to finagle a little bit. But again, the whole job took me fifteen minutes. I was actually surprised how easy it was in the bitter yeah. cold Oklahoma wind. So, but yeah, it's, it was. I, I wished I watched that video ahead of time because it would have saved me a couple minutes of trying to find out why the door panel wouldn't come off. I used to do like, we do like 10 or 20 videos just on a door panel. Yep. All the little stuff in a door panel you can take apart. Well, at least it was but. a, it was a fairly easy job. So mm-hmm. good to know that. But anyway, yeah, watch the wheeler dealers on the Mercury Capri if you get chance. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I don't watch my order. I just go through. I'm like, that car sounds cool. That's I how I do it too. It. And eventually I wind up watching all of them, but yeah. Um, <laughs> the XR4 Ti is a good one too. Um, it is a good one too. But the Mercury Capri, the the work that Ant does on the bumpers of that car is like, it just blew my mind. Oh, the Opel GT is a good one, too. I haven't seen that one yet, either. It's got a massive, like, dent in the driver's side door. Okay. So they it's creased in the rear of the front fender. That triggers me a little goes, bit. And it goes right into the door. Uh, so he, he does the whole thing where they grind the paint down. He uses the, the, the well-done puller pieces, and he pulls yep. it. Uh, but then the, the door is obviously like massive, like it's way too big for him to do it with the little tool. So Mike brings it to a body shop and the guy shows him how they do it with the industrial slide hammer and the, yeah, and the welding yep. and just getting it back into shape. Like Mike, like gets him and helps him get it to like the rough shape. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to hand it over to you. Cause you're the expert to like finish it out. And then they, you know, yeah. once they skip it, it looks perfect. Yeah. And, and again, you know, body, body work is one of those things that scares everybody, but you know, I'm I'm no body man by any means, and I managed to you know paint up the door and stuff on my Eclipse in the driveway. And while it's not going to win any awards, it's certainly passable. You know, yeah. So I think for a driver quality stuff, you shouldn't be afraid of doing other stuff in your yard. And watching shows like that helps out with that a lot, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah. And anyway, watch watch the the Capri one because he he takes off the U.S. market bumpers and makes his own bumpers, and it's just mm. like it's super cool how they come out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then the other one was uh, not to talk too much about this, but he was working on the the Fair Lady Roadster. Okay, and he did some exhaust work, and one of the flanges was not flat off the manifold. So then he reminded me because he cut off both sides of the exhaust flange and mounted V bands, and I was like, ah, yes, that's next time I do an exhaust, I will do V bands instead of flanges because 
you don't need gaskets and they're just circles. So you just weld them on. Yep. You don't have to pay attention to orientation of the flange other than it being, you know, plumb up and down. Right. So it meets the other flange perfectly, but all you do is put that V band over it and it clamps down. It's not going anywhere. So Hmm. that's definitely something for the next time fabricated exhaust. Oh, I have have to build the rare section of the exhaust in the blue Colt. So I don't have a, I don't don't have a welder though. Yeah. You can get one. You can get a one ten volter. Yeah. I don't know if I want to spend the, I don't want to waste the money on something like that to use a couple of times. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you could just wait until you you build your garage and you, yeah. you put two twenty. Yeah, I have I have two twenty in the garage already. I just don't. Oh, I don't, okay. I don't have the money to buy a nice welder. Oh well, then yeah, then you would definitely just don't waste on a one ten if you can. Yeah, if you don't have two twenty, then you buy a two twenty. I could buy a red one or something. Yeah, or buy a used one. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, I have to learn what the the storage I see out here for 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 gases with the heat and whatnot. Yeah. I don't know if it makes a difference. I don't know. Yeah, we'll get into it. Sweet. All right. Cool. Call this an episode. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. I am Race and Anger on Instagram. And Brad, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at TSISS350. All right. Cool. Keep cars analog and aim for the roses.